Hello, this is Liv Peterson from Starting Up Now. Thanks for joining us today on KMNP Ship. In this podcast, I have the opportunity to interview people from all walks of life on the book, No More Nonprofits, Moving from Dependency to Sustainability, written by author L. Brian Jenkins. In this episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Gerald Bell. Gerald Bell is the Director of Communications for the DeVos Urban Leadership Initiative, a national leadership development training program for urban leaders and ministers. For 15 years, Bell has served in this capacity, providing direction to the initiative's branding, content development, and information dissemination. In addition, Bell oversees a staff of 12 regional representatives that provide one-on-one coaching and collaboration opportunities to the training program's alumnus. For more information on the DeVos Urban Leadership Initiative, visit www.dvuli.org. Take a listen and hope you enjoy KMNP Ship. So I do have a list of questions that I'd like to just jump into. Um, first one is, why do you think this book is so important and why does this book need to be read? Okay. I think, first of all, the subheading of the title from No More Nonprofits, um, the subtitle, I should say, Moving from Dependency to Sustainability, I think answers that question to some extent. But let me just kind of put it in my own words. Yes. I think from, from two perspectives that there is, there's a need for this book to be read. If you are a nonprofit leader and rather you find yourself feeling as though or believing that you're underskilled or coming up short on maybe say fulfilling your own mission. You know, this is a resource that will, I think, tool and refuel you for, I mean, really getting further down the road. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea, again, in the subtitle from dependency to sustainability, I mean, who doesn't want that? And I think yeah. this book will provide context for, you know, why the leader themselves, you know, should really stay at the fight. Uh, I think it's easy sometimes to feel as though, okay, well, if things aren't going the way I see other nonprofits thriving, then maybe I'm doing something wrong. We have a tendency at times to beat ourselves up, you know, and, you know, not give, you know, I guess ourselves a fair shot, you know, at um, what our own capacity and potential uh, can reach. And so I think this is a resource that will take us, that will take the nonprofit leader there uh, and, and give them, I think, more than the basics in some, to some extent you know, in terms of what they can ultimately achieve, yeah, as, as a nonprofit leader. But I also want to maybe encourage the reader uh, or the why this book needs to be read is that there's so much to take advantage of, uh, and especially towards the rear of the book in, in, in some of the um, resources and the templates, you know, around the forms that should be not only filled out but aware of and what they should look yeah. like and, and, and how they should read and so forth. I mean, I think so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an incredible tool to have in your toolkit as a nonprofit leader. I also think that this book is for the donor. I think in many cases, they step into situations where they already have their agenda. They already know, in fact, where they want to allocate their resources and funds. Um, Maybe there is passion and maybe there is some designation for that already determined. But I think in many cases, to fully aware and apprise yourself of what the nonprofit leader that you might donate to or that you might choose not to donate to, look at what they're up against and look at the fight that they have. And I think this should be an eye opener for the donor as well. For them to reconsider, you know, how are they allocating their resources and what are some other ways in which they should maybe even really engage in some introspection about what drives them to give and how they give, 
you know, and maybe even explore expanding or broadening their giving practices. So I think for the nonprofit leader, here's a tool for you to lay a foundation and to be able to have a resource you can refer back to. And I think the donor themselves also need to maybe take this into consideration that, you know, this might be, uh, again, a, a, a an eye into, you know, just what drives you as a donor and at the same time, what you, some things you might need to think about in terms of who you're giving to and why. What information in the book surprised you the most? And then kind of a sub question to that is, what is something you learned that you didn't know before? <laughs> okay. Um, first of all, I, th I think the thing that surprised me um, the most <laughs> is the fact that this is a resource that offered solutions. Too many books have the tendency to tell what's going wrong and what the problem is yeah. and maybe practice to some extent what they think the solution might be. But in many cases, it's not always commensurate to the challenges that a resource may communicate. So I would, I would say that the thing that I would say surprised me, now this didn't surprise me about Brian in terms of his awareness of what the solutions are, but to, to be able to read a book that I mean, goes deep into the challenges and the issues and the problems that nonprofits find themselves having to confront and encounter, but it's like, okay, but hold on. After you've read all this, don't be discouraged. Here's a reason to lift up your head. The 70-30 uh, principle, it was something yeah. that uh, I learned. <laughs> so I was yeah, like, I, I've, heard, huh. I've heard that from several, um, several other people that I've interviewed. So kind of talk to me about that. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like, you know, if in fact you're looking at ways in which, you know, it's so easy sometimes to, 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 to take what is needed and that is completely the focus and you allocate and, and, and all of your resources kind of get poured into, you know, just where, where the budgets, where the expenditures are. And, and I think sometimes it's easy to say, okay, well, look, I am as a nonprofit leader just going to sacrifice and suffer and you know maybe it, it might it, tap into the pot that really maybe i was setting a certain amount of money aside for certain expenses or, or budgetary items but let me just let me just have faith that okay the money's going to come and let me just put 100 percent towards what i know is my passion and my goal and i think this is a way to say okay put on brakes for a second yeah you don't really have to do it that way you know and so for me it's like all right yeah, no matter what comes, no matter what you feel is okay, might be the honorable thing to do, given the mission that you have for your organization. Make sure that what you set aside for to, to allocate for expenditures and or your revenue to ensure that, you know, as, as the book talks about, you know, your, your, your staff salaries are going to be high. I mean, that's where a significant apartment, be it for-profit or non-profit, paying people is where the bulk of your budget is going to be allocated for. Everybody knows that, all right? But I think this principle, I think, just kind of lays out, okay, that no matter what, make sure that you have always something in the hip pocket that, just, that, is, that is there to ensure that you have something you can always tap into. Great. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. The next question is, what was the big takeaway for you from this book? Or you could pick one thing that significantly impacted you in this book. Yeah. Um, I think the big takeaway for me is that there is going to always be a population of people who are going to have a fight on their hands when it comes to equality and economic equality. And even when it comes down to, you know, and I hate to say this, but here's, here's the reality. And that is I can, I can point to nonprofit organizations who are African-American or Latino led mm -hmm. where the mission statements are very similar. And I can point 
to nonprofit organizations that are non-African-American and non-Latino-led with same mission statements, same goals, same similar programming, and in some cases, same budgets, but the ease and the, 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 the accessibility to the resources for the non-African-American and Latino-led organization and or, yeah, yeah, or I'll just say it that way, the ease that they have in access to resources, in some cases, meeting their budget without any stress whatsoever mm-hmm. is just readily there. And how is it that someone is doing the same thing, serving the same cause, is having a struggle so significant that in many cases they're ready to close their doors down? You know, so I said that to say, you know, I think this is a resource that just kind of points to the fact that there has been a fight from day one, from the beginning of nonprofits existing, you know, for those that are doing commendable work and charitable causes and, and I mean, altruistically, I mean, really serving, you know, populations at, at need and at risk, but there's just going to always be a fight. And, and I think, you know, unfortunately, those that, that are the haves versus the have-nots, those that have the resources to allocate, you know, are going to hold on to a certain portion of that, it's almost like they're applying the 70-30 rule, but it's even a principle, but it's even you know, more significant than that. But it's, I feel as though, yeah, I mean, there's, you're going to always have a fight. So I think in, in, you know, I tell my daughter this, even as a school student, okay, you're going to have to give 200%. Yeah, you know, I, I, I realize that, okay, you're making great grades, but everybody else around you, if you want to go to Harvard, um, you're going to have to kick butt and outperform everybody in your classroom. And at, at least 80% of her classroom does not look like her. Yeah. You know, so everything has to be at least you know, at a higher level. So I said that to say the fight continues no matter what. I don't know that I see a, a, an end in sight, but I think for the most part, I mean, there has been some progress, but definitely not enough. And unfortunately, um, no more nonprofits to me is uh, highlights that, you know, especially, you know, within the first six chapters, you know, just where, where our fight has been and where it's come from. And at the same time, you know, the work that we had before us, but I think it is the same time, as I said earlier, is a solution. And so, yeah, the fight continues. In fact, I mean, when you think about the fact that there are a number of institutions, you know, from education to uh, medical, et cetera, on down in that are, you know, that have a diversity initiative, that have people on staff now that are director of diversity and, you know, they have all these things that they want to, you know, but at the same time, you know, they don't want to have those tough conversations. It's like, okay, let's just get somebody in here who, you know, other folks can relate to and identify with and, you know, let's meet our quota kind of thing and just kind of keep going. But it's like, okay, but you still haven't addressed the challenge that you have. You know, why is it that when you hire someone who's a director of diversity that they're African-American or Latino? Why can't you hire someone that's not African-American or Latino to be your director of diversity and be open and willing to have those tough conversations and or to have People at the table who don't think like you, people at the table who don't look like you, people at the table who don't spin like you, you know, and, and at the same time, look at the way in which they might even perceive, you know, who you are as, as a leader or as a stakeholder or, or an investor, you know, in your community, you know, and, and have to wrestle, have, have to kind of wrestle with the fact that you, some, you fortunately have certain privileges that they don't necessarily have, you know, and so all those conversations, you know, as uncomfortable as they may be, um, has to be had, you know, if you're going to ultimately deal with the heart of the individual. But if you think you can just employ someone in and then, you know, go on about your business, you know, give them a fancy title, you know, and so forth to meet quotas, it's just, you know, there's just, there's, you know, the, the learning curve is still there. The paradigm shift still can, needs to continue to happen. And, and I think no more nonprofits, 
you know, facilitates that as well. I think what I also love about this book, you know, is that when you begin to talk about things like the character of a leader, you know, and, you know, it, it, or character-based leadership, I think what's what the chapter is titled, you know, I think, you know, to, to speak to leaders from that perspective, you know, to kind of force them some self, again, examination and introspection, you know, about your own kind of core values and what drives you, you know, I think everyone can learn from that. And, and again, not just the person that's on the receiving end, but the person that's on the giving end as well. And I think this is a resource that achieves that also. For you personally, how has this book um, affected you or what are you going to do differently after reading this book? Or how are you going to apply what you've learned in this book to everyday life, to the organization that you work in, um, to the leader that you are? Great question. Challenging question. And I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, forces, you know, a lot of thought, you know, I, I, w I will say this, um, you know, certainly this propels uh, kind of the work that I'm engaged in. I will also say that there has been some intentionality on my part from day one, you know, and, and, and that is this, when I have an opportunity to be a voice, you know, to let's say certain proposals that come through the, through the door, um, you know, where I find that, you know, the um, minority population or, or, or community is finding themselves either being represented and or finding themselves falling short. You know, if it means voting for and or ensuring that there are things allocated that might not otherwise be, um, let's say, allocated from a, a grants officer standpoint, um, that's where my fight has, be, has been, you know, and I think, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, you know, that, um, you know, a dominant culture that has access to these resources, you know, I mean, they have their guidelines, they have their parameters, they have, you know, what are called, you know, just, you know, just their, their do's and don'ts, if you will, in, in terms of how, when and where they allocate resources. But, you know, I think for me, it's just going to ramp up and intensify, you know, um, advocating for the underserved, you know, in, 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 as, as, as much as I can, um, you know, and so, I mean, even in the face of, you know, people say, no, I don't think we're going, or I'll put it even this way, even when I have seen proposals declined upon, you know, and maybe to some extent for the right reasons, where there was no compliance with the guidelines and or the IFP, um, to go back and say, okay, look, let's give this organization another shot. Let's send the proposal back, say, here are the things that need to be tweaked or corrected or modified, and let's give this a chance again, versus saying, okay, well, it didn't meet, you know, certain requirements or expectations. And so let's move on and, and, and send a decline letter. You know, I think in the end, you know, there's a number of nonprofits that are doing good work uh, and, and doing it well and are staying in the fight. And for me, um, as much as I can alleviate the suffering and or, you know, just uh, some of the challenges that they might find themselves facing, you know, in the role that I'm in, um, I'm going to do my very best to, 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 to make sure that that happens you know, just sort of making promises, you know, and or finding myself in a position where, you know, I'm compromising my own integrity. You know, I definitely won't cross those lines, but at the same time, um, yeah, it does challenge me to really think, you know, just uh, to ensure that, you know, the underrepresented, you know, are having a shot as well. That's kind of comes to the end of all the questions that I have for you. Um, do you have any additional thoughts or encouragement about the book or anything you would like to add? Yeah, I will add this. Um, there is a price being paid hmm. and there is a high cost for what it's going to take to attain and achieve uh, the representative equality um, that needs to be attained at a higher level. 
So I think the price that is being paid first is being paid first of all is yeah that we are still when I say we I I I would I put myself in the position of the African American and the Latino nonprofit leader that you know has you know the fight still in their hands and that there there is an understanding that okay that they're going to have to maybe in some cases maybe not appease or appeal to. Uh, the dominant culture, and I think you might mean losing some friends in some regard, but at the same time, I mean, it, it, that's the, in part the price that is going to have to be paid. Um, I think also patience is the price that's going to have to be paid. I think that there is a turning that is happening, but this is a very slow one, and I think waiting on, you know, I think some of the resources, or I'll just say the money to change hands to some extent, um, I think you're going to have to be a, you know, a little patient, but I think that there are certain people in certain roles. I mean, when you look at the fact that there are uh, African-American philanthropists now that are saying, okay, look, I'm going to pay for the school loans of all the Morehouse grads, you know, yeah, for yeah. a particular year. I mean, that has not always been, you know, so I think th that's an indication that, okay, there's a price to be paid, there's a price being paid, but I mean, now you've got other celebrity type people that may not be paying for an entire graduating class of school loans, but are doing more, you know, to, to do uh, to maybe guarantee or promise, you know, scholarships, you know, at whatever level that they can, you know, college scholarships to or full rides to some extent to those that are graduating from high school. So that there's a price that has to be paid for the people that did wrong long before we even got here. And I think those that are at the same time serving and working in our communities are still paying the price as well. And I think No More Nonprofits, you know, highlights that, but also at the same time shines a light on um, what can be, what should be, and I think what will be uh, over time. Thanks for joining us today on KMNP Shift, where we discuss the unseen and unspoken barriers you must overcome to do your job. We at Starting Up Now are always happy to hear from you, so please reach out to us if you have any comments or questions at www.startingupnow.com. Until next time, this is your host, Liv Peterson.